Hello, and welcome to the Heart of Equity podcast from the Heartland chapter of the National Association of Health Services Executives, also known as NASI. I'm your host, Pleasant Radford Jr. I am a health equity professional, a healthcare leader, and a member of the NASI Heartland chapter. This time, we're talking about the lack of Black men in the healthcare C-suite. Although many hospitals across the country are pledging to increase diversity on their boards and in their management ranks, healthcare remains predominantly white. And when people of color, for example, Black, Latinx, Asian, Indigenous, Native American, etc., are hired for these roles, they report fear and retribution for being outspoken. Dr. Watts, an expert in health equity, is here to share his unique insights on the disparities Black men face in the healthcare industry. We'd also like to thank Care Content, our partner for producing this podcast. Care Content is a full-service digital marketing agency that helps healthcare organizations create a web presence that reaches their audiences. If your health system needs help with digital marketing, website redesigns, or social media, please visit carecontent.com. Now, let's get into our discussion with Dr. Vabren Watts. Hello again, Dr. Vabren Watts. Babe, this is the second time that you're on our podcast. We love having you on and listening to what you have to share from all of your work at Health Affairs. I enjoy being here. This is a slightly different conversation, a little more personal, but still very, very important to talk about. So we're going to dive right in. The The first question I have is, you've spent your career in healthcare focused on issues of equity and inclusion. You talked a lot about that in the first podcast. Would you say that the healthcare industry is a welcoming space for Black men? You know what? I, I'm going to answer this question like this, and I'm, let me say this disclaimer. These views are totally mine, not that of, of, of health affairs. The question that you ask, is the healthcare industry welcome, welcoming space for black men? I would have to say yes, but it's a but to the answer. We have to go back to our educational system. And is it welcoming for black boys to even get to that point where, you know, we are in the healthcare industry? There is a lot of weeding out, I would say, of young black male innovative minds. I think everyone, you know, um, has the potential to be innovative. But as, as it relates to going up the um, ladder, we, we know that if, if you look at the rates of, of black males in the college, let's just say in comparison to uh, black uh, females, you know, there's a lower rate um, of black males going to college. Of course, there's a lower rate of uh, black males versus females that are going into medical programs. And by the time we get into the healthcare industry, and I'm, I'm, and I'm saying the healthcare industry as it relates to, you know, uh, being a physician or being, you know, a registered nurse along those lines, it's like, there's been a lot of leaks in the pipeline, I'll put it that way, particularly for black males. And so it is welcoming um, because, you know, really, if you want to fill the pool up uh, with water, you have to have the water. And if you do not have the water, you have to stop looking at the where the swimming pool is and look at, you know, that pipeline and where are those cracks in those pipelines. So, I mean, I will say, you know, I think for, you know, black men, it is welcoming. Um, they really want you to be in there. 
but then also i'm also have to say this right here is this is pleasant you know you hit me up with this question which is very unfair because this question is very complicated Ooh, we gotta go straight <laughs> to the source straight to the source <laughs> because even like okay they, they want them to get in there but then you also have to you know retain people as well you know are you giving them those career opportunities that you're giving other you know race and ethnicities and so, you know, and, and you also have to create an environment where, you know, they feel like they are being supported. I have been on the end, thankfully, in my position right now, I feel very supportive. I've been in a position before where I did not feel supported. And that other position I'm speaking of, they wanted me to come in, but yet they wanted to regulate what I did. So they were not able to retain me. And so, yeah, you can be welcoming. Every A lot of people are, 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 are welcoming, but what is your retention policy for diverse populations? And particularly, what is your retention policy for black men? Because we do operate differently. So that's something that, you know, we really need to think about as we go into the healthcare industry or really into any industry. I always say when it comes to uh, diversity, equity and inclusion, it can be in the healthcare industry. It can be in journalism, which I, you know, serving the journal, journalism field, you know, they were very receptive of, you know, um, of black men. It wasn't that many of us. I remember when I was a science writer at the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer, I, um, people came in, particularly black women came in and said, we heard there was a black intern who served as a science writer. And so they were like, we haven't had a black male intern as a science writer since like over, over a decade. And so it just shows that, you know, there's definitely leaks in the pipeline into, you know, the healthcare industry and we, it really needs to be addressed. Yes, I appreciate that candor. As I as I reflect on the the question, I too agree that the industry is welcoming, but the but as you said before, at what level right. are we finding ourselves within the organization? Are we at the top level? Are we at the mid level? Do we have autonomy? Do we have a voice? Do we have a team? Do we have resources? Welcoming, in my mind, is the first step. And usually that's through the application process. The right. the affirmative action, we welcome everybody right. from age, sexual orientation, gender, whatever. And so there's almost this compliance regulatory perspective. And by association, the healthcare industry is you know complying with that. But then once we enter the door, like you said, is there a culture that invites us, that listens to us, that accepts us as who we mm-hmm. are? We as Black men, we, we're, we're, we're different in terms of how we may express ourselves and how we may view different things. We're as different as some of the others that are in the healthcare industry as well. But how do you incorporate that, embed that within the organization to to speak to our Black community, mm-hmm. to be able to understand their struggles, to share our lived experiences, and then be able to affect change. And so I, I like the yes, but I think that's a, a good way to answer that question. Well, in this industry, what has kept you motivated and passionate to, to work as an executive? Seeing um, success, uh, I would say externally, and what I, what I mean by that, like uh, one of the things um, with uh, with with health affairs, you know, we did start doing uh, tracking of the author, you know, demographics. Once we did it, I mean, we thought we were going to get like, you know, just this negative feedback, like a lot of negative feedback on it. But like just seeing people from the health policy community, the um, 
the scholarly publishing community say, hey, we need to do what you guys are doing. It, it seemed like it, what we did was simple, but I guess it was just a big task for a journal to take a lead and just ask questions about, you know, uh, author's demographics and, and, our, and our demographics. We're asking about race, ethnicity and gender, which to me are simple questions that are a small percentage of the questions that they ask you when you submit a paper. I promise they ask you about 30 questions before you get a chance to submitting the paper. And for the longest, I, 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 I was sort of taken aback because I was like, you know, you, you, they ask so many questions, you know, when you submit a paper, I thought this is one of the questions that, you know, that was in there. And so we did that. It, it was just like, we just got like, you know, the pouring out of like uh, love and like, you know, how can we do, you know, um, the work that you're doing at health affairs. Also, another um, thing, it was the racism and health issue. We received a lot of accolades for that. And actually, I don't know if I told you this, Pleasant, but we're, uh, I'm actually an award-winning host now because uh, <laughs> we won a Telly Award, which is huge. So now, you know, Health Affairs is in the likes of, you know, producers and hosts, you know, from like ESPN, HBO, and, you know, all the big wigs. So, so just seeing that project, um, we did a video with Harriet Washington who is the author of Medical Apartheid. Um, that, that video, it was 20, a 20-something minute video, and we just spoke with, you know, Miss Washington, and it was, it, it was phenomenal. Like, uh, I know we had the questions already a bit, uh, ready for her or whatever, but, like, we actually went off the cusp, as, as we do when we talk about equity. Um, and so, you know, uh, they, a lot of people thought it was a great video, and um, it's been, been shared a lot. And, and those videos related to that particular video has now gotten up to around 80,000 views on YouTube. So, yeah, it was great. One of the most critical ways you can help promote health equity is to make sure your health system is doing business with Black-owned companies. This creates career opportunities, builds generational wealth, and allows us to control our own resources. For our Buy Black Vendor Spotlight, we'd like to highlight Fulton Homes Education Center. For more information, please go to www.nurseaidtrainingomaha.com. TrainingOmaha.com. Now, let's get back to our discussion. The next question that I have is Black women's challenges with ascending to leadership are well documented. But what has your experience been trying to navigate predominantly white spaces as a Black man in healthcare? I grew up in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, <laughs> and so it, it was a pretty diverse population. And um, I, I know people think, you know, Alabama, you know, is a place, you know, where it's racism and it's segregation and the whole nine yards. But I actually came up during the 80s, and that was the time where it was right after, you know, they intentionally integrated schools. So there was a lot of intentional integration that was going on. So I was able to, you know, really interact with a diverse group of um, people. But there were also microaggressions, you know, along the lines like, oh, you're very articulate. <laughs> you know, like like that was it. That was it for me. When you hear words like that, it's like, you know, what exactly are you saying? You know, are you calling me, you know, articulate? But to answer your question about black women going up the ladder, 
that's where, you know, you need to look inside these HR departments and to see if they are disaggregating data by gender among race, because that is important because, you know, you would think that you would be getting diversity among a certain group if you look at black, but then you disaggregate that data by gender and it's totally different. This, this is similar. Um, there was a report um, that was published by the American Association of Medical Colleges, uh, AAMC, which, um, which they sort of address that notion that, uh, hey, um, medical schools are becoming more diverse, right? So, and, and that's because they clumped all the, the you know, the uh, minoritized racial groups together. So, so yeah, it is, you know, becoming more diverse, but then they looked at it by race. They realized that you had an increase of black women entering into medical school. They actually found that in 2015, there were less black male medical students than it was in 1975, which is horrible Yeah, that, you know, that we do all these, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion initiatives. And you have a certain group of individuals, particularly black males that, you know, their, uh, you, you know, presence into medical school has decreased over like a, what is that, a 40 year period, you know, that that is unacceptable. So, yeah. you know, as we, you know, as we track, you know, race and ethnicity, you also need to disaggregate that data by gender so that we can see where there are lacks in diversity. I went to Meharry uh, Medical College and I mean, you could see it, it, just anecdotally that there was a lot more, you know, women It sort of addresses, um, you know, what I was speaking about earlier was that um, some of this, I, I think some of this is cultural for us. Pleasant. This is just a tough question. And it's just really hard to, you know, explain yeah. why black women are um, excelling and advancing in education. Now I will say, even though black women are ascending in leadership, that doesn't mean that they're going to treat them right because yeah. black people, I think in general, they are discriminated, you know, against, even if they are in higher places, you know, um, sort of like, like what you said earlier, like black people in general need to make sure that they have a voice, even though they are in these senior leadership positions, they need to recognize if they're being tolerated. One of my deans at Meharry always said, you know, when you're being tolerated in an intimate relationship and you also know when you've been tolerated in another kind of relationship it's professional whatever so you know we do need to recognize that and listen to yeah. you know our voices but to um answer your question about the challenges for black men trying to navigate in the healthcare space i particularly probably not the best person to answer that question because i always get that oh you're articulate and so once you know <laughs> you know once when they say you're articulate that means you're safe yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's important that you know we all you know ascend to leadership we have to code switch at times but let your true self shine you know get inspiration from the hip-hop magazine yeah. get inspiration from back in the day <laughs> you know growing up and you'll be able to connect to you know those people you are trying to serve that's all I can say because your question is tough it's difficult <laughs> you gave some some nuggets of wisdom it's difficult to answer and at the same time we need black women and we need black men it's not an either or it's a both and right mm-hmm well, let's talk about healthcare boards and the fact that average healthcare boards are made up of 87% white members, something that is not surprising to you, I'm sure, and only 13% people of color. 
So what's your opinion on what might be causing this lack then of I inclusion? Try. <laughs> that is my opinion on that. Point <laughs> <laughs> <Just> blank. <laughs> and that is the truth. Because let me tell you something. When I create different boards, committees, whatever, you have to get together, get a PowerPoint together, put those pictures together, and make sure that you can see diversity of those board members without saying it without reading anything like i just want to look at a picture and say it's diverse point blank we are more than qualified but this way as a black man i say if a black man has made it to my point yeah you had a bunch yeah. of obstacles in your way you know you, you know to get you here so yeah my opinion is why there's a lack of inclusion on these boards is because they're not serious and, and are not trying at all yeah we are here you have to come and find us mm-hmm. yeah Black executives have talked ad nauseum about being reprimanded for doing their jobs and challenging the status quo. What do you do when you get hand slapped for ruffling feathers and rocking the boat? Hmm. So when I get hand slapped for ruffling feathers and rocking the boat, I make a mental note of that, just of being, you know, hand slapped and rocking the boat. And then depending on what type of organization you work for, you work for a membership organization then that's when you tap into your members. (laughs) And you get them to say it because sometimes the person who you report to may listen to them versus you. And like, you may have to wait a while, one or two months or whatever. And then once that person says it, then they'll listen and then you continue your work. If you're doing that too often, then maybe that's not the position for you. And they're not that serious about, you know, advancing equity. But that's something, um, you know, that I do just think about some avenues that we can take to get this done and just try again. Yeah. Yeah. One final question. Two-part question. You'll understand when I ask. Are there ways you are hoping to encourage more Black men to enter the field through mentorship and development programs at Health Affairs? What have you learned throughout your career is the second part that drives the strategy for the recruitment of people of color in these programs? I really have a special place in my heart for really promoting and elevating young Black men. It started at my previous job with the American Psychiatric Association. And and earlier I mentioned to you about how, um, you know, Black men, it it was less Black men um, entering into medical school in 2015 than, you know, 1975. And when I was at uh, APA, I actually started a Black men in psychiatry program that was specifically geared towards Black men who were interested in medicine. It's important that we give black men opportunities to advance themselves. So I'm about to be honest, the one of the persons who worked with me on the pipeline programs at APA, I stole him from APA, brought him over to Health Affairs to, you know, to start a program because you know that's what you do. You know, <laughs> you know, you know. And then not only that, even, you know, people that do not work under me, like even for these uh, African-American male researchers who may not get chances or opportunities to present, I reach out to them you know, and say, hey, can you present, you know, a health affairs? Can you present this and that? And um, it has just been phenomenal. I'm very proud of my team. We've been making like strides and doing great work at Impact. And I always tell them, I said, you know what? Always go back and lift up, you know, another brother. I just will continue to elevate Black men, like even um, even you, Pleasant. You're my uh, colleague. And, you know, we just motivate each other on different things. And uh, yeah, it's just great.
I'm so much about the advancement of black men in healthcare and in any other field. Absolutely. The conversations that we have, the friendship that we've developed has definitely helped me on a personal level as well as a, a professional level. Dr. Vabrin Watts, Director of Health Equity at Health Affairs, thank you for sharing your insight on Black men and the disparities that we face in the healthcare industry. You're invited as a guest on our podcast at any time. Thank you. If you're a healthcare executive in Minnesota, Nebraska, the Dakotas, Iowa, Kansas, or Missouri who cares about health equity for people of color, please consider joining the National Association of Health Services Executives Heartland Chapter at nasiheartland.org. That is N-A-H-S-E heartland.org. For more episodes of the Heart of Equity podcast, subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcatcher. And while you're there, please leave us a comment. Thank you for listening.